Hello, and welcome to Christ Fellowship of Elizabeth. We're so happy that you decided to join us today. This is the teaching podcast from our Sunday worship service, recorded at the Liberty Center in Elizabeth, New Jersey. Our goal as a church is to love God, make disciples, and change the world. We hope that this message inspires you and helps to lead you deeper in your relationship with Jesus. Enjoy. Good morning, Christ Fellowship. My name is Joel, and I'm honored to share today's message with you. We're in the middle of a series titled, uh, his, uh, The Promise of His Provisions. The Promise of His Provisions. And last week, Pastor Diana kicked it off. She kicked off the series with teaching us that God provides our needs. One of my favorite parts that she spoke of, actually, was trusting God, right? She said that we need to trust God right now. I thought that was powerful because a lot of times this whole trusting might be a little overwhelming. If you're going through something, it's a little hard to think about trusting for the rest of your life, right? But she was saying when you have that hardship, when you're going through it, just remember to trust God right now at this moment. I thought that was great. And she said, if tomorrow morning is hard again, trust God tomorrow morning. And then tomorrow night, do the same thing, trust God tomorrow night. I thought that was very powerful. And if you didn't get a chance to listen to it, please listen to it. Go, go online and you can check it out. But today we're going to move on to the next uh, topic, and it's take hold of your money. So that's a topic that everyone gets quiet about because no one wants to talk about money. It's a funny topic. It's a strange topic. I saw a few people grab onto their pockets a little bit right there. You know, don't hold on to your pockets. Don't worry about it. You know, you can be comfortable. I know it's tough, but we have to talk about it. Why? Because it's really important. It's a big part of our lives. It's very important. It's a huge part of our lives. Bigger than you probably even imagine. It really is. It's not so much going to be a topic of a teaching about money management or how much money you have and how much money you don't have. It's really going to be about your attitude towards money. The reason I say it's not so much about money management is because you can be, you can be bad at managing money and have the wrong attitude towards it. But you can also be good at managing money and still have the wrong attitude towards it. So it's not really just about, although included, it's not really just about managing money. It's about your attitude towards it. Um, you know, if you don't know how to manage money, you can be taught that. If you have the wrong attitude, no one can just teach you that. That's a healing process, honestly. That's a, that's a surrendering process that you have to do with God. So with that said, I want to uh, share a story. It's called The Cobbler's Story. You've probably heard of it. We used to read this to students in school back in the day. So um, you might know this story. I'm going to paraphrase it for all you English teachers if you know the story. I'm going to paraphrase it a little bit. But the cobbler story goes like this. There was a poor cobbler, and that's just a shoemaker. That's someone who, you know, fixes shoes. He restores shoes. And there was an old rich man next door. So it started off with the cobbler. He was poor, but he was happy. He was cheerful. He would sing. He would uh, whistle. You know a person's happy when they whistle because normal people don't whistle. Like, you whistle when you're happy. No one whistles when they're sad. You either whistle when you're happy or when you're about to do something mischievous, right? So only two times you whistle. People are laughing because they know they probably whistle when they're doing something wrong. So that's the only time you whistle. He was a really happy guy. Uh, the people that would come into the store to get their shoes repaired, they loved talking to him. He was just great to talk to. Kids in the neighborhood would just go to the window and watch him through the window. They must have had no internet because that was their source of entertainment. They did nothing else but watch him through the window because he was so fun to watch. The, everyone loved him except for his neighbor, an old rich man. And this old rich man... Uh, just would count his money all night, all night just counting his money. That's all he did the whole night. 
It took him so long. He had so much money that it took him all night and wouldn't go to sleep until the morning. Also, he tried. He tried to go to sleep. But what happened? He would try to go to sleep the very same time that the cobbler would open up shop. And how would he open up shop? Singing, whistling, making all sorts of noise. And the old man just couldn't stand it because he couldn't get his rest. He wanted peace and quiet. And he used to think, I have to find a way to make this guy miserable. I got to find a way to make this guy sad so he can stop whistling and singing and making all this noise. And then an idea hit his head. I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to give him some money. Give him something to worry about. Give him something to be miserable about. And then I'll finally get some sleep. So he did that. He invited the cobbler over to his house. Cobbler was very surprised. He came over and he said, hey, I want to give you this bag of money. He was confused. Like, why? Why are you giving me this? You know, you're such a nice guy. You're such a good guy. Everyone loves you. I want to give this to you. And don't worry about it. It doesn't hurt me at all. I have so much. I won't even notice it's missing. So he gives him the money. And the moment the cobbler leaves the, the house, he's already like unsure. He's like, all right, I got to leave in a way that nobody sees this. It's a bag full of money. You know, it's a little scary. So he, he sneaks into his house. He, he tries to hide. He's like, I got to put it somewhere where no one's going to notice. He puts it on his pillow. Cobbler, he's not going to fit under the pillow. It's lumpy. Puts it in the shoes. You can't put it in the shoes, Cobbler. What are you doing? It's too much money. Puts it under the bed. And he's like, this isn't a good hiding spot. Like, somebody's going to see this. So he figures, it's still nighttime. Let me put it outside. I'll dig a hole in it. Just put it there. He left it there for a few hours. But by the morning time, by the morning time, he figures, I got to get it out. That's not a good spot. He was so worried about protecting the money and keeping it and no one taking it that he started to abandon his business. People would walk in, and he'd say, oh, just a, just a minute, but they'd wait forever, and then he'd just walk out. Kids stopped walking, uh, uh, going to the window. They must have played tag or something because they had no internet, so they just played tag or something and just you know, found other things to do because he was miserable. He was miserable to watch, and he even realized it. When he finally realized it, he thought, I know what I'm going to do. He went back to the rich man's house, knocked on the door, and said, hey, listen, keep your money. You can have your money. I just want my happiness. You can have your money. I'd rather be poor, but I'm happy. And he walked away. And then when he went back to the store, he was back to the cheerful cobbler. Everyone loved him. The kids came back because that was their entertainment. They started watching him through the windows again. And everyone was happy again, except for the old rich man because he couldn't go to sleep anymore. See, the cobbler realized that money can make you miserable. He realized that. Let me go to another story, actually. And this story is about a young rich man. We talked about a cobbler and an old rich man. Now I'm going to tell you a story about a young rich man. Not to be confused, this guy's young. We can even think of it as, this is the carpenter and the young rich man. This is book of Mark, chapter 10. And we're going to read verses 17 through 23. And it should pop up behind me. And it says, as Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked. What must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not give false testimony. Do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, all these I have kept since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said. Go, sell everything you have and give it to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. So let's look at this story a little bit. I want to mention a few things about it. The first thing I want you to realize is 
the rich man's question. He says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? So if you look at his question, what he's really trying to figure out is how can I earn heaven? How can I earn it? What do I have to do? What action steps do I have to take in order to earn heaven? How do I, you know, he's seeking through deeds. He's trying to keep the laws, keep the commandments so that he can earn his spot in heaven. But then look at Jesus' response. Since that was his question, and that's what he was asking, Jesus responded in the way that he was asking. He said, okay, keep these commandments. But look at the commandments. All of the commandments were towards people. It was a reference to the deeds that he was talking about. What commandments did he not talk about? He didn't talk about the commandments towards God, right? Don't put any other God before you. Don't have any idols. He didn't talk about any of those because those have to do with the heart. And we'll, we'll get to that in a second. But he, just, he said, I'll go with what you're saying. Are you talking about deeds? I'll respond to you with deeds. That's it. And then he got really excited. He figured, oh, I do all those. But then he hit him with one thing. He said, there's one thing you're missing. There's one thing you're missing. He added one more because the next one was a deed, but it was really connecting the deed to the heart. And he said, go, sell everything you have. By the way, realize it's not just money. It was also possessions, right? Sell everything you have and then come follow me. See, he was addressing the real issue, the matter of the heart. The question really is, what Jesus is really saying at that moment is he's saying, who is your Lord? Who do you really trust? Do you trust your money? Do you trust your possessions? Or do you trust God? That's what he was really asking at that moment. So let's connect both stories for a second. The cobbler and the, and the old rich man and then this young rich man here. The young rich man would actually fit somewhere in between both of them, right? See, the cobbler only cared about being happy. He didn't care how broke he was. He didn't care about being poor. He just wanted to be happy. And the old rich man just wanted to be rich. That's all he cared about. He didn't care about happiness at all. If he had an ounce of happiness in him, he'll sell it to you just so you can have more money. Like, he just wanted to be happy. That's all he cared about. The young rich man was somewhere in the middle. He wanted, he had his wealth. He wanted to keep that. But the reason he went to Jesus was because he realized this isn't enough. There's something missing. There's something missing. I want whatever's missing. I want that happiness. He noticed that there was something else. Let me tell you something. Most of us are like that young rich man. See, that's a story that we would normally not look at and identify with him. But most of us are like that young rich man. We want to look at the other story and identify with the cobbler. Like everyone wants to look at that. I mean, I do, right? I want to look like the cobbler. I want to be the guy that's happy and doesn't care about money or anything like that. We want to look like that. You know, the reason we think that too is because we think, when we think about rich, we think about like Jeff Bezos and Bill Gates. Like we think of rocket ship money. When, you, when you've pretty much said to yourself, I don't have rocket ship money, so I'm not rich. You know, we start to identify with someone who's not rich, like the cobbler. But just living in the U.S., to be honest, just living in the U.S. automatically makes you wealthier than many, if not most of the people in the rest of the world. Like if you think about this for a second, you know, my aunt in Cuba you know, had a whole, her whole career was teaching. She was a teacher in Cuba. Just like me. I'm a teacher here. She was a teacher in Cuba. You know how much she made a month? $40 a month, her whole life. Like, she never made more than $40 a month. There's no inflation. You don't get any raises. She made $40 a month. You're wearing more than a teacher's salary, a month, a, a teacher's monthly salary on your feet right now. Like, what she made a month, you're, wearing, you're probably more. When you, when you leave service today and you have lunch, you're going to spend more than a, a teacher's monthly salary in Cuba, you know? So 
I don't want to make light of what people might go through. I'm sure everyone has felt uh, what it's like to be in need. And maybe you're going through right now. Like maybe you're going through a time where you're in need. And I get that. I understand that. I don't want to make light of that. But what I don't want us to do is to dismiss the idea or the fact that we also know what it is to have plenty. If you live here, you also know what it is to have plenty. So we want to identify with the cobbler, but we're probably not like the cobbler. And no one, no one pretty much really identifies with the old rich man, right? Like everyone realizes money by itself is not it for the most part. At least no one would admit to this. Most people uh, don't. That's why you're here. Like you're here because you realize there's something missing. There's something more. What I hope is that everyone that's here realizes that something more is not just happiness. Like I hope we're not just chasing happiness because that's not enough. Like happiness comes and goes. I hope what everyone really is chasing is relationship with Jesus. I hope what everyone really is chasing is God. And if you're not, that's something that I hope you're really thinking about throughout this morning. Because at the end of the day, that's the most important thing. Everything else vanishes. Everything else goes away. The most important thing is, are you chasing God? Are you chasing Jesus? I hope, I hope that's what you're looking for. Because if you are, you'll find it. Everything else will fade. Most of us won't identify with that old rich man. And that's why we're here, right? See, most of us are in the middle. We know money isn't everything like the cobbler. But we still want it, though, like the old rich man. We still want it. Like, we want the happiness. We want the joy. We want to go to heaven. We want God. But we also want our things. We also want our money. We also want possessions. And if, if we're honest, we know there's a battle there. Like, we're right in the middle. There's a real battle that we're in on a daily basis. And this is for everyone, by the way. I don't, it doesn't matter where you are on that ladder of, success or that ladder of financial, uh, you know, whatever status, you know, that, that's a battle everyone goes through. If you think you got rocket ship money, guess what? They want two rocket ships. If you feel like you're all the way at the bottom, guess what? You have a whole lot of steps you can look up to and, and, and desire and want. This is a battle that we all have. Everyone, myself included, everyone watching online included. We're not, no one, like no one, uh, gets to avoid this and, and dismiss it and say it's not about them too. Just like the rich young man, we want both. A couple things I want to say. Um, God doesn't, I want to clarify this. God doesn't tell us that we have to sell everything just to become Christian. You know, I, I've spoken to people, I've had conversations with friends and different people, and I understand, like, this is something to wrestle with, right? Because when you read that story, you think, man, like, I got to sell everything to become Christian then. But no, 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 no. Jesus was speaking directly to that young rich man because he knew that young rich man's heart. He was challenging him where he needed to be challenged. God will challenge you where you need to be challenged. Like if you love money so much, he might challenge you in an extreme way like that. But that's not necessarily the case. He'll challenge you individually where you're at because what he wants to avoid is uh, what he wants to stop from happening is something like that being a blockade or a stumbling block from you and God having a relationship. He knew the man's wealth was the one thing keeping him away, away from God. But he challenges us where we need to be challenged, the way we need to be challenged. But he's not necessarily saying you have to be poor and give everything away. On the other extreme, too, it's not like Jesus is saying you can't have wealth. That's not what he's saying either. He's not saying you can't have wealth. Just look at the Bible. There were plenty of wealthy people in the Bible. 
Abraham was wealthy. Who made him wealthy? God did. Joseph was wealthy. King David was wealthy. You know, some of these people, I'm not the name, like things went wrong for them, but still they were wealthy. Solomon was wealthy. Who made him like that? But even look at the New Testament. And I think this is even a better example. Look at Lazarus. Lazarus was a friend of Jesus. He was considered Jesus' friend. And when I look at the details, I kind of see like, I think Lazarus had some money on him. I mean, he might not have been the richest guy, you know, in, in, in Israel, but he had some money on him. His, both of his sisters lived in his house. You know, they, they lived with him. Um, remember the situation where Mary, his sister, actually poured a, a bottle of perfume on Jesus' feet? And Judas, of course, out of all people, the one that loved money, he's the one that pointed out and told us the detail. And he said, you know, this is worth a year's salary, and she just poured it on your feet. So the point I'm trying to get to is they had a year's salary of perfume in their house. They got some money. Like, they're not broke. You know, they got some money there. Uh, Jesus and the disciples would eat over Lazarus' house all the time. So, you know, when you look at Lazarus, he had some money. It's not like Jesus told him, go sell everything. You know, so the point I'm trying to make is Jesus isn't saying we have to be poor, and he's also not saying we can't have wealth. But what Jesus is saying, what he is doing is he's warning us that our desire for wealth can be keeping us away from God. Your desire for wealth, your chase could be keeping you away from God. Your chase, if you're running after one thing, you're not, you're not running after two things at the same time. Your chase can, you keep, can be keeping you away from God. It can be dangerous. It can be dangerous. And there's something I wanted to say that I forgot it. Man, hopefully it comes to me. It can be dangerous. And it's very tempting, too. And again, this temptation is for everyone. It's not just for people who have a lot of it. It's for people, all people, wherever you are, whatever status you're in. It can be very tempting. I think of the Lord of the Rings. If you've ever seen the movie, you know, if you haven't, maybe you're, you're too young for it. Or you've been hiding under a rock for the last 20 years. I don't know. Have you ever seen the series, Lord of the Rings? It, there were like 10 rings, but there was one ring that was very powerful, very powerful. Um, whoever possessed it, whoever had it in their possession would get certain powers. They can uh, become invisible and all sorts of different powers from my understanding, right? Um, and it was very evil because it was connected to an evil being. It was connected to evil being. It was very tempting. Everyone, everyone was tempted by this ring. Like if you would get near it, it would be a huge temptation not to want to go get it. Like it, it, it was that battle all the time. Many people died over it. There's one... Uh, you know, being in particular, Smeagol. Smeagol was a hobbit, a short little guy, right? A hobbit. And Smeagol actually had the ring in his possession for a while, and it led to doing all sorts of things. He killed, he lied and manipulated, he got greedy. He was obsessed with this ring. So much so that it corrupted him, corrupted him and turned him into this, like, strange-looking creature. It even changed his name, Gollum. Like, he became known as Gollum afterwards. Right? So very, very strange. But that just goes to show how tempting it was to him and how powerful it was and how dangerous it was. And if you, if you compare that to love of money, it's very similar. It's very similar. It's tempting to everyone, even the ring, like even people that were good, you know, good at heart or trying to be good, they were tempted by it. They couldn't really withstand it. Very few people were able to withstand it. You know, it, it, it didn't matter if, you know, if you were trying to or not, it was tempting to all. 
And money's the same way. The love of money is the same way. Even if you're trying to do the right thing, it can still be very tempting to you. And it can still be very dangerous if you go down that route. Our desire for money and possessions can lead to evil, just like Smeagol. It led to all sorts of evil. And in the same way, money, the love of it, can lead to all sorts of evil. You know, the funny thing is, there's so much evidence, like, for this. There's so much evidence for this. This speaks to how tempting it is. There's so much evidence for how powerful and how, how you know, money can lead to bad things, and it's not the answer for all. It's, it doesn't always lead to happiness. There's so much evidence against that, and yet we still want it. Like, we still chase it. You know, think of all the people that win the lottery. I remember reading a story once where a man won millions. And he was, he was sharing a story, and he's, he was talking about how he regretted it. Why? Because it led to so much bad. He lost his daughter and his niece, both of them, uh, uh, due to, like, drug abuse, drug overdose. And he, he uh, connected that to, like, he said that was a consequence of what we want. Because you figure when you win that, like, your life changes completely. Like, your status, everything, the people you're around, everything changes. But you know what money like that does? It amplifies what you already have in your heart. It enhances what you already want. Now it gives you access to those things. That's why it can be so evil. Because, you know, without it, things are kind of like kept at bay, kept under control. But now, if you chase it and now you have it, guess what? Now all of that comes out. And that's what happens so often with, I know some of it has to do with not knowing how to manage it, of course, for sure. But a lot of it also has to do with a love for it. You know, think of rich and famous people. We always think about this. Like, we hear about someone, like, taking their life or their family falling apart or they're depressed or they're sad. It's like, how? You have everything. No, they don't because money isn't everything. It's not. It's not everything. Jesus is asking us, when he's warning us about the desire for wealth, what he's really doing is he's asking us, who is your Lord? Who's your Lord? Who do you trust? Who do you really trust? Do you trust God? Or do you trust money? Do you love God or do you love money? And included with money are your possessions and all things. See, you have to think of it as, like, when you look at this, you think, oh, God and money. That seems so specific, money. Do you know what money represents? It represents everything. It represents the world. Because through money, just like we mentioned, that opens access to every other desire, everything else you want. So who do you love? Do you love God or do you love money? Do you trust God or do you trust all the possessions and all the things that you can accumulate? It's for us too. This isn't just for rich people. It's, it's for poor people. It's for medium people, whatever you want to call us. It's for everyone. It's not just for those who have rocket ship money. You know, we also get tempted as well. I'll, I'll share a story where, you know, years ago, uh, my wife and we were trying to refinance our house. And when, we, when it came to signing, there was something on the paper that I knew it wasn't true, and I had to sign the paper. So I'm wrestling with it, and I'm like, but this, this isn't true. So I spoke to the guy that was, you know, the loan officer, whatever you call him, and he said, oh, don't worry about that. That's not a big deal. Like, nobody really cares about it. They just sign it. It's not a big deal. But I didn't feel right, and I spoke to a couple people that I trusted, and then I, I realized, like, this isn't something I can do. But let me tell you something. Like, I had that ring right here on my fingertip. It was tempting because I wanted to do this. I wanted what I was going after. I did. It was right there on my fingertip. 
But I knew if I did that, I was going to regret it later. I was nervous of what that, like doing that was going to open up. I didn't like that idea of now this possibly opening up other things. And I didn't do it. And thank God I didn't, although I was really close. It was like right there. But I didn't do it. Years later, we ended up refinancing the right way. And I thank God for it. We did it the right way. Even more recently, um, I just, we just bought my, my parents' house, the house I grew up in. That's a pretty cool thing. Like, I'm living in the same place that I grew up in as a kid. And, I mean, it's a little beat up. But now it, it looked a lot bigger back in the day because I was a lot younger, a lot smaller. The yard looked a lot bigger. You know, but whatever it is, like, I'm happy. We got it, and we're fixing it up and doing what we have to do. But I remember early in this, in, in this process as well, there was something that came up that, again, wasn't true. Like, they wanted me to say something that just wasn't true. And I said, I'm sorry, I can't. Like, can we say something else? Can we do something else? Can, is there another way around this? And they even questioned me, like, wait, do you really? Like, they, they didn't question. They didn't even notice that I was trying to do something right. They just, they questioned if I really wanted to buy the house. Like, that's how, that's how far, that's how disconnected this person was from, like, what's right and wrong. Like, they didn't even question morality. They questioned, wait, do you really want, is this, are you saying this because you don't really want the house? Like, what's going on here? Do you really try, do you really want to buy this house? I said, of course I do. But I didn't do what they wanted me to do. And then a lot, it it kind of extended the process. We ended up not getting, uh, you know, the loan with that bank, which I thank God for, because then we found someone else. It happened really fast. I knew God had his hand on it. But that was another opportunity where, or another moment where I was tempted to do the wrong thing because of what I was chasing at that moment or because of what I wanted. And it was so easy. It would have been so easy. No one would have, who would have noticed? Not any of you. You think I would have told you? No. Nope. I wouldn't have said anything. Nobody would have noticed. But I would have known. God would have known. And I know that would have been, I know it would have been tugging at my heart. And not only that, I know what it, it again, it opens doors to other things. That's what it does. It snowballs because then it gets easier to do. What are you chasing? Can you think of a time where you were tempted to do the wrong thing because of a desire for money? I mean, think about this. Can you think of a time where you did something, you know, you made a decision that you know was wrong because, or, or you were tempted to, to at least because of a desire for money? Maybe it led you to or attempted you to lie, to cheat, to steal, to do wrong to someone else because of, I guess I'm saying money. And again, this, this can include so many things, right? I mean, it can include a job position, you know, because obviously that brings you to another status. It can, it can be something you're trying to possess, trying to, something you're trying to get or have in your possession. Can you think of a time where you were tempted to do the wrong thing because of that desire for money? Here are a few, uh, a few more things. By the way, this isn't meant to be a guilt trip at all, because this is for all of us, me, me included. It's for all of us. But it's a heart check. It's a heart check. It's something that we constantly have to do. We constantly have to check our hearts. It's a heart check. So here are a few more heart checks. All right? So please don't go crazy on me. Ready? Um, and only you really know these answers to the questions. So don't start sweating, because then I'll realize where. I'm going I'm to check, see if anybody starts sweating. I might start sweating myself. Do you live beyond your means? If you live beyond your means, and listen, again, I know a lot of, sometimes a lot of that is just not knowing how to, how to, how to do things. You don't know how to manage. You know, early on in our marriage, we did not know. <laughs> we made a lot of mistakes. I came up here actually talking about it once, you know, and that was embarrassing. 
But we did it because Pastor Gary asked us to. Like, you know, I get it. A lot of times you can make a lot of mistakes. And thank God we got smacked in the face and we got put in the right direction. And now we're on the right track. And I'm far from perfect, but we're on the right track now. Um, and I know a lot of that has to do with not knowing how to manage it, but also like what you're chasing. Obviously, we weren't trying to do right with our finances. Uh, so do you live beyond your means? Do you love to show off? Like, do you buy things just to show people that you can? Do you like to show off? Is it just to show people that you can get it or you got it? Sometimes you even fake it. Like, you can't get it, but you put it in a credit card. Do you work way more hours than you need to? Right? Even when it hurts other areas of your life. Like, I'm not saying, like, if you need to work, I get it. I'm not knocking work. Work is good. God wants us to work. But do you work more than you need to, even though it's hurting other areas of your life? Are you never satisfied with what you have? Whether you have a little bit, whether you have a lot, you're never, are you never satisfied with what you have? These could be signs of wanting money way too much. These could be signs of loving money. 1 Timothy uh, chapter 6, verses 6 through 10, should pop up behind me. Paul talks about this. He actually gives us some answers. And it says, But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. People who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap. Notice what he says, people who want to get rich, right? And a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge men into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. So I just want to break down some of those things that he says. The first one right away godliness with contentment. Like, he's pretty much giving us the answer right from the door, like right at the beginning. He's saying, this is the answer. Be godly. In other words, be Christ-like. Chase Jesus. Chase God's character. Be that way and be content with what you have. Now, I want to clarify again, being content doesn't mean you can't plan for better things. Like, if you're going to get a job promotion, of course, this is going to come with more money. You're not going to say, oh, yeah, I want the promotion, but don't give me, like, the raise. Like, that's not what this is saying. You know, of course, you can plan for better things. You can save money in the bank. And of course, that's going to lead to a bigger bank account, right? But what it's saying is this. If you don't get those better things, let's say, will you be sad? Like, will you just be devastated? Or will you learn, will you know how to be content with what you have? Godliness with contentment. Be satisfied. Um, The second part, he says, nothing can come with us. I really love that part because what Paul is doing right there is reminding you where your eyes are supposed to be. Your eyes should be fixed on your final destination. Your eyes should be fixed on your final destination, which is heaven, God's presence. That's where we're supposed to be focused on. And you'll see, we'll refer to that in a moment. Uh, The next part, being content with what we need, right? He's talking about, um, but if we have food and clothing, we'll be content with that. So being content with what we need, not necessarily what we want. That's, that's very similar to the first part, godliness with contentment. Then this next line, he says, uh, where is it? People who want to get rich, want to get rich. That's the desire. Now, notice that desire, what it does. It can lead you to falling into temptation, falling into traps, foolish and harmful desires. 
Like that desire opens up all the other desires. But it can lead to all those things. Do you know why? Because of your eyes again. What are your eyes fixed on? Now that your want or your desire is to get that money or get those things, your eyes aren't fixed on what he said before, on that final destination. Your eyes aren't fixed on God. It's not fixed on heaven. Like my goal, my ultimate goal is to get to heaven. And you might think, Joel, you're Christian. That's already happening. No, this world's constantly tempting you, trying to pull you away from your course. It's constantly, what do you think the world's doing? It's trying to get you off course. That's why your eyes have to be fixed on where you're going. And by the way, you got to know who you're going through. So that's why I say, I hope you're here not just chasing happiness. I hope you're here chasing Jesus because that's the only way to get there. It's the only way. So looking at that part, why do people fall into the temptation? Because they desire money. So their eyes are fixed on their goal, that goal of getting what they want. And guess what? When your eyes are up there, you're not seeing the traps. Or you're not even caring about it. Like, you might just be reckless. I'm going after that. You don't care about the traps. You don't care about the temptations. Or you just don't see them because you're looking at the wrong thing. And you fall into foolish and harmful desires. Those things open up too. And then this next part, the one we all know, for the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. So the desire for money over God leads to other harmful desires. And the way I think of it is this. It's like a door that opens, I might have said this already, it's like a door that opens up other evil desires. Money's just paper. Like, it's not about paper. Money, what does money represent? God bless you. Money represents all those other things that it now gives you access to. So when you're comparing God and money, when it's saying the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, it's because the money is that door that opens up all those things you really want. Like, it's not just the paper that you want. You know, like, that paper means nothing. But it's all the things that it opens up to. All those evil desires that it opens up to. The love of money is really a love of many other desires. A love of the world. That's what it really is. It's a love of the world. And the money just gives you access to it. Some people even leave the faith because they're chasing after money, like the rich young man. And that's the danger, right? Like I said, we're not really the cobbler. We're not really the old rich man. We're somewhere in the middle like that young rich man. But the danger is, the danger is if you're walking that fine line. If you're not making the decision to love God. Because look what the young rich man did. Jesus was face to face with him and said, sell everything you have, come follow me. And he turned around sad. And I mean, I hope like, somewhere down the line he realized, you know, Jesus was right. Like, I got to follow him. Maybe after he, you know, was crucified and resurrected, who knows? But at that moment, like, he definitely did not follow Jesus. So how do we avoid this temptation? Paul says it in the very next verse, 1 Timothy 6, verse 11. But you, man of God, flee from all this and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. You know, I, I think he just sums it up with flee. What he's saying is run away from this. When you feel that urge, when you see that temptation, when, when, when you see that your, look, your eyes are not fixed on that final destination, it's not fixed on God, it's fixed on something else, he's saying flee. Just, that's the same strategy we need to use for all sin. That's the same strategy we need to use for all temptation. You never face it and say, I got this, I can do this. No, because you will get overpowered. Think of the ring. You ever seen that movie? If you've seen the movie, you know what I'm talking about. You run away from it because it will overcome you if you try to face it. Because you know what? Here's the thing. When you're trying to face it, you're really tricking yourself. Because when you're trying to face it, 
you're really trying to give into it. That's what you're doing. When you try to face it, I can, I can handle this. No, it's because you're hoping that somehow you can fall into it. You need to run away from it. And that's what he says. Flee. Flee from all this. Paul says to run away from chasing money, a.k.a. run away from chasing all those desires that lead you away from God. You know, I just want to go back to a comment, something I said earlier. It's not wrong to have wealth because Paul talks about it a few verses later in verses 17 and 18. He says, command those who are rich. By the way, he's speaking to Timothy. Timothy is a young pastor of a church. He was basically like uh, Paul's, you know, spiritual son. And uh, he's speaking to him and just kind of teaching him how to be a pastor. And he's saying, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. Notice he didn't say command them to sell everything they have, you know, and and give it all to the poor. And I'm saying nothing's wrong with that. What I'm saying is that's not, that, that wasn't the answer for everyone. That was just that young rich man Jesus was talking about. Here Paul is saying, just tell them to not be arrogant about it. Don't be prideful. Don't put your hope in money. Don't put your hope in the things you have. Don't trust that because it's uncertain. He says it right there. It's uncertain. Put your hope in God who richly provides us with everything. He says, you just can't want it more than you want God. Don't want it more than you want God. Put money in its place. Give God his place. Don't put anything ahead of him. You just can't love it. It's actually good to have wealth when, you're, when, when your wealth is put in its proper place. When you're generous, like he said, and willing to share. Like, I guess you can, you can answer these three questions. These are the three things that you would ask or you should ask yourself. Why do you want it? That's probably the most important thing. Why do you want it? You need to answer that to yourself, to God. Why do you want it? And then secondly, of course, how do you get it? How do you get it? The right way, the wrong way. You have to lie. You have to cheat. You have to steal. You have to harm someone else. You have to do wrong to get it. And and wrong doesn't mean illegal, by the way. There's plenty of legal ways to do wrong. And thirdly, what do you do with it? So why do you want it? How do you get it? And what do you do with it? What do you do with it? I said earlier, God doesn't ask us to give all our money and possessions away to become Christian. But you know, he does ask you to give. He does. Because it's a heart check. He asks you to give. When you, when you give your, your tithes, your offerings, you know, there are, two practical, there are two reasons why that happens. One, it's useful practically. Obviously, it's useful to maintain the building. Let's say here in Christ Fellowship. It's useful to, uh, you know, the different, to, to use it for the different ministries we have. It's useful to help the community and all the different things. I think Christ Fellowship is really transparent in how it's used. You see it. It's very practical, very necessary, very useful. But there's something else that's beneficial to you. The practicality of it is beneficial to the church. But the spiritual aspect is beneficial to you. Because it reminds you of who you trust. It reminds you of who you love. It puts it in order. Let me tell you, there's some times where you don't want to give. But when you give, it, remind, it, it, it puts you back in place. It, it kind of like shakes you and puts you back 
you know, your eyes on the right spot. No, no, God. No, no, no. I trust you. You're the one that gave it to me in the first place. I trust the giver, not the gift. When you do it, you're reminding yourself, my faith is in you, Lord. Let me tell you, if you're, if you're a little weary of giving, if you're scared of giving, maybe that's where you need to start. Listen, this teaching is not about tithe. But maybe that's where you need to start. It's not about giving. But maybe that's where you need to start because it's a heart check. I don't know how, but when I give, I feel like I have more. I don't know how that happens. It doesn't make sense to me. And when I hold, I feel like I have less. It just goes. That's a God thing. He, doesn't ask, he might not be asking you to give everything, but he's definitely asking you to give. You can't be a Christian and not want to give. You can't be a Christian and God's not, and God's not tugging at you to give. Why? He doesn't need your money. He wants your heart. It's a heart thing. It's a heart check. That's why we do it. When you give, you're reminded that God is the one who provides your needs. You're demonstrating your faith in God. And you're trusting in him over your money. God challenged the young rich man to sell everything he owned. The question is, how might, be, how might God be challenging you? How is he challenging your heart? In this topic, it's not only about money. But again, money and possessions are like a door to all kinds of evil. If you take hold of your money, who knows what else you'll be putting in place? Who knows what else you'll be putting, keeping at bay? To wrap this up, just thinking of this question, God's asking, who is your Lord? Who do you love? Who do you trust? Is it Jesus? Or is it money? Or is it your possessions? Is it God? Do you love God? Or, or is it all those things that come with you know, money and the, and the access that you'll have because of it? It's everyone. No one escapes this. Not me, not anyone else. Let's pray. Dear God, we thank you for this morning. Thank you for your word, for all that you teach us. Uh, we just come before you soft at heart, Lord. Knowing, God, that, like, we, we want you, Lord. We want you. You know, we, we see this battle. It's a real battle that we all fight, just like that young rich man. It's a real battle that we all fight. And I pray, Lord, that, you know, you just, you work on our hearts. You steer us in the right direction. Continue to give us those heart checks. Challenge us where we need to be challenged, just like you challenged that young rich man. Challenge us where we need to be challenged. Because, God, at the end of the day, if we have all the possessions in the world, just like Paul said, we can't take it with us. We can't take it where we're going, whichever way we go. I pray, Lord, that all of our hearts are challenged by you in a way that, you know, Holy Spirit, you can do a work in us and help us fix our eyes on you, Jesus. Help us, fi help us fix our eyes on that ultimate destination, on heaven, on being in your presence. We love you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday. Christ Fellowship of Elizabeth is a Christian community whose mission is to love God, make disciples, and change the world. You can learn all about us by visiting cfofelizabeth.com. We meet each Sunday at 10.30 a.m. at the Liberty Center in Elizabeth, as well as at various times throughout the week. 
If you'd like to see a video recording of the full worship service this teaching came from, you can watch on demand on our YouTube channel, and you can join us live online every week by visiting cfofelizabeth.live. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. Make sure you subscribe in Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, or your favorite podcatcher so you never miss an episode. See you next time.